0: I think I have good news to share. (laughs) Um, That gospel reading, it's not exactly one that I would choose for a community Eucharist with children. It's not the one I would choose for the beginning of the new academic year when we are still finding our way. We are already sensitive to whether we fit and whether we belong, whether we're worthy, whether we are enough. Not so much. For many are called, but few are chosen. Is that the mission statement for your commission on ministry, maybe? (laughs) Um, Is it even worse? Is it used to justify clericalism? You know, for that ontological change that sets ordained people apart from me? I don't think so, and I trust not. The Gospel of Matthew, among all of the Gospels, is very distinctive. His voice is often severe. His voice is often commanding. Cheap grace has no place in his words. He often disturbs at least my and maybe your theological comfort. His God is certainly not tame or domesticated. And yet, the intensity of God, as revealed by Matthew, is matched by extraordinary grace. In the volume of judgment, we can easily overlook the fact that gentleness is very present. It sustains the rigorous discipleship that he describes. Matthew's Jesus is also Emmanuel, God with us. God is present whenever God's followers are there. So what can we learn from such extremes? Today's particular double parable, directed to the chief priests and the elders of Jerusalem, is classic Matthew. It begins well enough, you know, the kingdom of God is like, right, we get ready. Um, a king, we know what that looks like, putting on a wedding banquet. Woohoo! Party! For his son. You know he's gonna spend a lot of money. King, son, Legacy, and weddings are supposed to be joyous occasions. They're supposed to be places where we come with gratitude and open-heartedness and we expect to celebrate. And especially in an oft food-scarce world, which that part of the world would have been, receiving an invitation to the king's son's wedding banquet would have been an enormous privilege, an honor, a very, very rare occasion. So the metaphor of a feast or a banquet is incredibly important in Scripture. It demonstrates God's abundance, God's goodness, God's generosity. In fact, Isaiah points toward Revelation when he says, Heaven is a feast at the end of time on the mountain of the Lord. But sometimes things, even feasts, go very wrong. Many of us have probably been to weddings that were not that comfortable. But to have such generosity dismissed, rejected, maligned by the guests? What starts out to be a celebration very quickly dissolves into a parable of disobedience and divine retribution. And the violence escalates. Why does it have to be so extreme? Something more must be going on. After receiving their save-the-date card, these guests receive yet another generous invitation. They even get a second chance. They get the second chance where the menu is spelled out, the program is laid out. The guests yet systematically reject that grace. Their rude turns ugly, the ugly turns violent, and it seems that grace is ephemeral. Is it unconditional? Or is it no longer grace when the intended recipient is unable to receive it? For a moment, to the reader, it seems like the magnitude of God's grace is extravagant. God does not give up. The king has been rejected. The king has been mocked. The king's slaves have been killed. He sends yet more slaves to go back out into the field. He's just not going to give up this idea of hosting a banquet for his son hooray, I think, there's going to be a happy ending. We're going to see the abundance of God. We're going to see the rich and the poor, the old and the young, the lame and the not. We're going to see the people who have different capacities all feasting together because all of them are now invited. People have come from the margins, or so it seems, until the king arrives and sees one poor schmuck showing up in improper dress. He chastises him and he throws him out into the furnace. So we're back at the beginning. We're back where Matthew begins his gospel filled with dissonance. What are we supposed to do with this disturbing collision of graciousness and judgment? Let's put ourselves maybe more fully into the story. As one biblical commentator, Greg Carey reminded me To put on the wedding robe provided by the king is to take on the garments of Christ. When we come to the wedding feast, we are clothed like everyone else in mercy. But if we refuse the mercy by instead relying on our own works, our own accomplishments, our own self-satisfaction, we stand in judgment. Matthew is focused on the issue of worthiness, the worthiness of the guests. For him, worthiness is not an ethical matter. That's very clear, because when the king sends out his slaves the second time, the third time, he looks for the good and the bad. He's not just looking for the good. He's not just looking for the clean. He's not just looking for the right. He's looking for everyone. So it's not about ethics. Worthiness is much more a matter of eschatological insight. People are worthy who have the ability to know the urgency of the invitation and to respond. Matthew affirms the boundless generosity and inclusive reach of God's grace, but he also affirms that to be worthy of God's gift requires nothing less than our whole life. And that just might be the good news for us tonight all of us as we are attempting to settle into this community for a new academic year, all of us who have the opportunity to set aside our status, our accomplishments, our achievements, our accolades, the success that got us here, all of us have that opportunity in order to respond to the radical good news of God's invitation To our whole self. And by grace, the words of Psalm 139 that we also read remind us that our whole selves are worthy. We are able to recognize the urgency of God's invitation because of the way God created us. God made us worthy. We can claim that right for it was God who formed our inward parts, God who knit each of us together in our mother's wombs. Let us praise God, for we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and wonderful are God's works.